0: Now, I know that God has promised us so many things, and it's great to be a, a child of promise. It's great to be uh, promised certain things. In fact, it's almost as fulfilling to know that God wants you to have these things as it is to possess them. But I think there's a place where possession uh, begins to... Um, command a different type of living a different lifestyle i think um, um success and ownership bring a certain level of uh, confidence in accomplishment to people a certain level of dignity to your life uh, these are all things that god wants to bring to us um i, I see over the years, people focus on one area of their life that they think is going to make or break them and I see over the years i've come to understand how um i guess you can say how how fruitless that way of living is and that way of thinking is. I know many times when you come to christ it's because of a certain thing that you need in your life or uh sometimes we'll put pin our hopes of of um, happiness on certain events happening or certain prayers being answered that's why you know there's so many people who are kind of frustrated in their walk with God because it's really based on things it's so easy to slip over into the realm of happiness equating to things of success equating to things. But God wants us to be um, developed in our spirit man as well as to possess certain things in life or or to uh, accomplish certain levels of of um uniqueness uh in our lives and all of these things are ordained for us by God he has a plan for everybody's life and i think as we understand what he's doing uh we find that life really isn't about the acquiring of things it's really not about how much we have when we bought something, how we bought it, and you know how much stuff we have and and all of that, I was ministering in Cleveland, and God began to quicken to me how your heart will draw certain things to you, things you desire will come to you almost automatically without much effort and prayer, uh, your heart will not um, it won't lie to you. And, and how you can judge what people desire by what's in their surroundings. Uh, what things do they treasure? Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. But I was giving the example, I, I thought to myself, I said, boy, if it's one thing I've got, it's stuff. You know? and i grew up uh in poverty and lack and and you know having parents that didn't uh quite know how to provide for their children and and didn't know how to uh weather the storms of life very successfully and there was a lot of frustration and um and disappointment and uh and um uh you know just just a lot of uh discouragement surrounding things and so it was in my heart uh, to not suffer lack any longer. I mean, that's just something I grew up with. Uh, when you have lack, you don't like it. Uh, you know, people who, who make glib statements like, oh, money isn't everything. Well, you know, there's not a whole lot you can get without it. Now it's necessary. So you gotta make room for that in your life. Not that it's gonna run your life, but you have to be wise and sound in your thinking about certain things. And I, I can remember uh when I was younger I liked to cook and I would watch uh sometimes I have cookbooks and look at little uh utensils and appliances and things that they used and have and I thought, Oh, that's nice to have. Boy, if I had that I could really do so and so and such and such. And so today uh I was telling somebody, I said, I spend very little money on on materials for a kitchen i said but i got kitchens full of stuff not just mine at home but one here one in cleveland we got more utensils and appliances than we'll use in a life. well see and i don't spend money i don't pray for them but it's in my heart as a love and a desire and see the things that you love will come to you folks so always cultivate a love of things that god approves of and he you get them without any effort i said to myself i'm always trying to give them away to some of y'all non-cooking non non in the kitchen folk on in the fast food generation i mean come on now i'm stuck with this stuff can't even bless somebody with it (laughs) and they don't want it is not in their hearts you got me? And, and so, everybody tried to make it to get a, uh, what do you call them, a gift card at McDonald's and I'm gonna go to drive through. And I just cringe. I said, oh my gosh, your, your car is not a dining room. You know, excuse me, I don't want to offend nobody, but in case you didn't know, it ain't the dining room. So, you know, that kind of stuff. So whatever. I'm, but, but you know what I'm saying. What's in your heart, what you love, and what you desire sometimes doesn't change from from childhood to adulthood. It's always there. It's like I look at these shows, like um, one of, I like the American Pickers show because it always intrigues me how people can. Find <clears throat> all these unique things that they have and and uh, these guys that that go and and try to collect from them they'll they 'll try to purchase from people who are collectors and they'll they'll get to a place where uh oh the the pickem was okay there well, I got one thing or I got this or but they're always looking for like the motherlode, like the place, a picker's delight, you know, where there's lots of stuff. And I notice comments they'll make about people who do the collecting. Oh, you've got a good eye, which means that you have an eye for value, things that will last throughout the ages, things that don't wear out easily, you know, that kind of, they value what they see in other people that's just like them. And so I'm always Intrigued that people can stay faithful, like, you know, you might want to collect things for a season and then you quit because it's not popular anymore or whatever, whatever. But then there are some people that have what they call that eye. For things and they value them and they draw those things to themselves and they'll put forth lots of money into those collections and, and so forth and so on. And so I think it's true that your heart will tell you what, what your heart will draw things to you. In other words, it, it, there's something in you that has, that values something highly that will always pull that into your life you don't have to really pray much for it in fact when you love God he'll just kind of like reward you from time to time They will bring certain things in your life without much effort and you'll begin to see you know what God you do give us the desires of our hearts you know we delight in you we serve you and we don't even have to pray hard for this kind of stuff just live a life of worship and submission to God and those things will come into your life I'm a witness amen so there There's some things that that we have to understand, and then there are some things that you'll have to, you know, put some prayer effort into. I'm not saying don't pray. But you, but you know what? That frees you up to pray for other things, for other people, for other needs, the things that are on God's heart. And so it's, it's a good thing to understand these things about, uh, about your heart and what it'll draw to you and how the things that are in your heart, uh, you, it won't lie to you. Your heart, uh, your life is a reflection of the things that you love where your heart is that's where your treasure is also you know people who are interested in um music and things like that you know they'll they'll invest in in instruments music lessons voice lessons all of those things that perfect that love that they have or perfect that gift or perfect that craft. And so we have to know that your heart is, is like that. So we're talking about the Bible way to ownership, prosperity, and success. And really the desire for mastery, success, accomplishment is in everybody's heart. Like nobody uh, gets up desiring to fail. Uh, That's called depression. You got me? And they usually treat you for that because that ain't normal. And so we understand that in the normal human being, there is a desire for prosperity, for ownership, and for success. Stewardship leads to ownership in God's kingdom. You have to know that. You don't come here owning anything. You come here with a desire And God will bless you with stewardship. In Genesis 1.26, we see where that started. God said, let us make man in our image. Now God is a steward. Amen? He's a steward to himself. In fact, he takes care of things for his own sake. They call him God because he is God. He takes care of things himself. And he says, after our likeness, our image and our likeness to be made like us, to be made similar to us, and let them have dominions. It was always in God's mind to create the male and female. The female was not an afterthought, you know, somebody to keep the man company because he was lonely. That was part of it but it was God's intention to make them male and female from the beginning now why did he not make them both at the same time he's leaving the devil is a liar Amen. why didn't he make them male and female at the same time why didn't he create both of them at the same time huh That's part of it, but, but huh? Well, it was relationship. See, like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are created in relationship. Father is a relationship, Son is a relationship, (laughs) Holy Spirit is a relationship. So if we're made in God's image, we're created in relationship. He was created by himself... To create a need for relationship. So see, if we're made in God's image, we know, now we know that the Son sprang forth from the Father. The Father generated everything, but they are co-equally God. That only exists in God. So if we're created in God's image, we are similar to Him in many ways. But there are some things in God that are supreme and above what humanity is. And His, His, God's origins make Him unique and different and superior to man. Because it's a mystery. We don't know how, uh, the Godhead was created. Uh, we know that one was probably inside of the other, inside of the other. Or we know that two of them were uh, equal, and in, in the the third sprang forth from that. So we're not real sure how that is, but we know that there were three of them from the beginning, and they are are created in relationship. Well, it's the same thing with the man and the woman. It was necessary for the man to exist alone, so that there would be room in his life the woman so when you're born in relationship you're born for relationship and relationship tends to complete people everybody everybody needs love everybody looks for love everybody wants companionship that was established by Adam so he was was created in God's image and really, the man being alone was the only thing in the garden that was not good. So God had to fix it, and make it good. And when He created the woman, Adam said, "Yeah, that's good." I said, "You all right, God?" Yes, just what I wanted. Somebody just like me, and so forth and so on. And and so that made um, him complete when when the woman was was formed and, and he was able to relate to somebody who was created just like him. And so it's a good thing, amen, when God thinks of everything. That's why w- w- the Bible says that no man hates his own flesh. Uh, you know, a man who will say he hates his wife, he really hates himself and just pray for him, he'll get over it. You got me? Uh, and don't make anything more of it than that. You know, Don't go to your fainting couch and start lamenting and moaning. Oh, what am I going to do? Just pray for him he'll get over it. They all do. You understand what I'm saying? This the truth always wins out. That nonsense is nothing but a lie. You got me? Free yourself up from the devil's lies and fears and he ain't going nowhere. Nobody want him but you. <laughs> On your good days. Let me put it that way so stop it. Of it. We're scaring all the single people. (laughs) With our marriage horror stories. Behave so we can give them a chance. (laughs) Please. So God gave us dominion. What does that mean? That means to rule and to reign. What we say goes on the earth. Amen. It also means to prevail against. And that's a pretty important word because you think about what dominion meant when God created the man. There was nothing against the man in the garden except the serpent. unknown An unknown assailant was there. But dominion means that you'll prevail against any adversary. So if an adversary does show up, you will prevail against it. Eventually, you will prevail against it. And that's what happened with man. Through Jesus Christ, we prevail against the enemy. So, dominion under the blessing is success. Dominion under the blessing is success. Dominion without the blessing brings the curse so when God blessed the man and the woman he gave them dominion under his power so the blessing came in let me see where did I put that told him be fruitful and multiply replenish the earth and subdue it let me see Genesis 126 is that what I did? <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, that's Genesis 128 oh it's right down from 26 so God created a man in his own image in the image of God created he him male and female created he them both of them in God's image God blessed them and God said to them whenever God blesses he does it with his words you got God's word you got the blessing you don't have to see anything got me So he blesses with words and he says, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over everything here. Fish of the sea, fowl of the air, everything that moves upon the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of the earth and every tree in which is the fruit of that yielding seed. So he tells the man how to make the earth produce. He said, if you run out of fruit, the seed for the next crop is already in that fruit that you're eating. So don't eat the seed. Don't eat the seed. And he says, and and if you, if you do it that way, you'll always have plenty. He says, uh, and, and it, it, every fruit, every tree, it will be to you for meat. And to every beast of the earth, to every fowl of the air, and everything that creeps on the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. Now, man did not start to eat meat until after the fall. You realize that. The blood had to be shed for the remission of sin. So that's why that was allowed after the fall. It's difficult, most people who are nutritionists will tell you that now, to have a, a healthy, balanced diet without meat protein in it. So, and you'll find this, this is true. People who try to get vegetarian are, take a religious bent with it. You got me? Some of the things in the Bible that are not in truth and and rightfully divided as far as the revelation is concerned are picked up by people who have a religious spirit or they're looking for a way to holiness outside of the blood that's why uh, God made it that we would have to shed blood until the end of time because there is remission of sin in the shedding of blood not that God wants us to kill animals for nothing But man often killed them for sustenance and thanked the God that provided the meal. Got me? That's where the blood sacrifice and offering is kind of traditionally handed down forever and ever. So we, we have to understand that that's always a reminder. Whenever blood is shed, it's a reminder of our sinfulness. When people want to eat plants, They want to not be reminded of their sinfulness. And they think they can be holy. They think they've attained some kind of holiness without understanding that their sins must be forgiven. Does that make sense to you? so you 'll find people adopting, and it 's always they they people who don 't eat meat feel a superiority to people who do, so you know there 's a religious something in there trying to bypass the shedding of blood and the acknowledgement of sin and their need for the remission of sins amen so it's you know it's it 's a fine line you 'll see some cultures that we call primitive will uh, drink blood in some of their rituals trying to take on strength or take on because they have a, a some kind of a, a, a understanding of the connection between shedding blood and remission of sin. And so we we those truths are still out there. They're perverted in some ways, but they're still out there and people grab bits and fragments of stuff instead of getting the whole thing. The whole thing comes when you hear the gospel. Amen. And that puts it all together for you. But yeah, you know, it's nice to want to be holy, but you don't get it through what you eat and what you refuse to eat. We we know that from Christianity. That's why people are often confounded by Christians, because we're not somewhere living a uh you know, lives in a monastery or anything like that. We're like normal people walking around, but we still walk with God and walk in some holiness. We can eat anything we want, bless it and, and just keep keep it moving and, and we're still holy people. They don't understand these things. And so uh it's just good to keep that in mind when you understand dominion. That we were given. So under the blessing, dominion is good. It yields forth. Uh, it causes everything to be fruitful and multiply. God saw everything that he made, including the man and including man's instructions, and they were good. And so we see now down here in Genesis chapter 3, after man has fallen and he's come under the curse, then God, just like God pronounced the blessing in chapter one, over in chapter three, he has to pronounce the curse because of man's disobedience. Now, you gotta see the curse as a mercy. It's not, oh, you, you bad thing, you punished forever. The curse is God's mercy. Amen? When, when the man was put out of the garden, the Bible says if he had stayed in there, He would eat of the tree of life. So if you eat of the tree of life in a sinful condition, what happens to you? You just renew your sinfulness every time. So instead of renewing sinfulness by eating of the tree of life and staying in a sinful state forever, God shut the door to the tree of life and had angels guard it From every which way that man would try to enter in again. Amen. And so the blood had to introduce a new and living way into life again. Amen. So that was locked out temporarily. He was locked out until a price could be paid for his sin. He could repent of his sin and then enter into the life of God eternally. So in Genesis three in chapter uh I'm sorry verse sixteen he's uh God pronounces the curse uh in fourteen he starts with the serpent, because you have done this, you're cursed above all cattle and every beast of the field upon your belly you shall go and eat dust all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the woman between your seed and her seed. And it shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So there would be damage to the seed of the woman. Amen. Uh, Jesus was crucified. So that's bruising his heel. Amen. Didn't get his head. He didn't get anything else but he bruised his heel unto the woman he said i'll greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception and sorrow you shall bring forth children and your desire shall be to your husband and he shall rule over you amen so ruling over is different than being the head okay ruling over the wife is the curse Got me, and see, a lot of people don't understand the difference. That's why we got people rebelling against submission teaching, and the word submission rankles people, and they get upset about it. People in the world make fun of us because of that word that we try to honor. But your your um, husband is not supposed to rule over you. Amen. He's not even allowed to be a benign dictator. And you're not to be afraid of him. Not afraid to speak up. You're not afraid to share ideas with him. You're not afraid to voice your opinion. Because God gave both of you dominion over the earth. But he never gave you dominion over one another. So you submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. You do it as unto the Lord. God, I'm, I'm gonna let this go right now because I'm trusting that you'll speak to my husband <laughs> so we don't both fall off a cliff. You know, that's, that's usually what the fear is when you submit to somebody is that their judgment is not correct. But if God told you to do it, He can provide safeguards for you. He does that through all relationships and so we have to understand the difference and i think you have to go to god so he can teach you the difference every day you'll be learning the difference so that you're not upset because you know your husband says no and he won't budge you know that's the one thing that most people are afraid of somebody's going to take their freedom away from them well if you think about it would god do that to you come on now you must your but your idea about it's twisted and you got to get it straightened out So that's what you gotta focus on is, is getting it right and letting God teach you what that means. Amen. I wish more people would do that in relationships. Go to God in these things and seek a deeper meaning. You'd have less frustration, less anger, less disappointment, all of, all of your, your, your trouble Would be lessened if you would let God teach you. You don't always want Him to teach somebody else what you want them to do. You must submit to learning yourself. I can tell you one thing, if you're not willing to sow into a relationship, you have no right to expect anything out of it. And people will bankrupt the relationship. I mean, it's already on life support when you get started. You think about it, two people come from different places in the earth and in the world and they've had different experiences and hurts and wounds and fears and you bring all that baggage and sit it down in the middle of the relationship and and, and it fosters a selfishness in people. They see where they can't get what they want out of this relationship or out of this person and they're upset about it, you know. Like, you know, I always say there's more to come. You know, get it all on the first day. There's more to come. What are you going to live off of for the rest of your life? There's more to come. Don't feel sorry for people if they don't obey God's rules. You got somebody that has a bad temper and is impatient and all that. Don't coddle that stuff. You bring that before the Lord. You know, God, this isn't... Uh, conducive to harmony in our household you know I don't like this person uh, to do things like that you know I forgive them but I'm expecting you to help them to see your way of doing things and help me to see your way of doing things you got me as long as you're willing to forgive you've got a chance You get adamant and just want what you want and don't want to forgive. You're, you're, you know, you're not going to get much that way. So we all got to do things God's way. Amen. So every person desires a blessing for this reason. For the fact that the curse, when the curse comes with dominion, you get stuck with a property you can't manage, a home you can't fix and and keep properly. All of that stuff comes with the curse. So when you understand how important it is to be blessed with what you own, it's a good thing. And so that's what God wants. He wants to bring us all back to the place of being blessed in success. Amen. The blessing ensures your success. The curse makes success very, very hard. In fact, it will frustrate you. You'll find people who don't want ownership They don't want rulership. They don't want dominion. Why do you think that is? They haven't always been like that. But it's something sometimes people haven't experienced it or their experiences have not been good or they've lived so long wanting something they've gotten discouraged that they'll ever have it now. You got me? And so all of these uh frustrated hopes and dreams will force people to accept the curse if you accept that it's because you have lost confidence in the fact that God has blessed you you don't want to even try to step into the blessing now I see that among a lot of our young people they don't want to get married married is not in their radar got me? And it's probably because of something they've heard or something they've seen that has trained them to marriage is negative instead of marriage is an asset. And so we have to, as believers, start believing better for people. We have to start. Now, if that door's going to distract everybody, we're going to close it. Okay. But I like it for the fresh air. Alright, so nobody look back there no more. Let's stay focused here, because the devil's gonna try to do that. So, let him do his job, we do ours. So, praise God. Now, uh, what we have to do as believers is pray for people to come to a knowledge of the truth. Marriage is good. Everything God did in the garden was good. Adam and Eve were married. Got me? So it's a good thing. And so, it's honorable. It brings honor to a person's life. And I think that's why people are afraid of it. Because they have such a sense of low self-worth. Well, anyway. Not me. And that's why. They don't think anybody wants them, in other words. They don't think people want to be permanently connected to them. That's why I don't believe in it. It's personal that way. They've lost confidence that anybody would consider them worthy of the honor of asking them to marry them. Got me? People who are married, live for God. Live as an example. Understand there are people watching you. Don't be so quick to disconnect from that person you're married to. Amen? Because God is using you, would like to use you as an example of of honor and dignity that comes into a person's life when they are married. And so understand what you're here for, true meaning of things. But that's part of your success. So to Adam he said, because you listen to your wife and have eaten of the tree, which I told you not to. In other words, he listened to the wife instead of God. If he listens to the wife and she repeats God's word, that's totally different. She is a helper to him. But what happened was she got deceived and started speaking things that were not of God. And he listened to that. You got me? This isn't an excuse for a man to just do what he wants to do in spite of what his wife says. It's, it's perverted that way. People just, people don't understand things. They don't, you know, don't read the word long enough, meditate on it, say, God, what does that mean? I don't understand that. That is so easy to get understanding from God and to get wisdom from God. These words here, dominion, submission, I don't understand what that means. It means just help me to understand that. That's all you need to do. And apply yourself to learning. And learning how to function in your role. Just stay in your lane. (laughs) Take care of your role. You'll be fine. So he says here, he said, Cursed is the ground for your sake. So then dominion becomes hard. Subduing becomes hard. That's why when people do get a blessing sometimes, they let it drive them nuts. Because they've had such a hard time trying to get it. You dig me? Now that's not true of kingdom people. That's not true of the saints. It's not hard to get blessed in God when you start using your faith. So we get back into the place where Adam was deposited. Back into kingdom rule. And rule with God. So that we can obtain the things that God has given us. And we can have ownership, success. And prosperity. That's all God spoke over the man and the woman back in the garden was ownership, success, and prosperity. And so think about every step that you make in life being toward ownership, success, and prosperity. There's no missteps. There's no fear of, of losing everything. Because God is ordained that as long as you walk in the blessing mentality, you are walking in those things toward the increase of them, toward more of them, more increase, more ownership, more success, more prosperity, all of those things. You're walking toward those things. The things that God puts on your heart to do. You're doing it because he's moving you toward ownership, success, prosperity. You got me? You're not, it's not gonna hurt you to obey God. In other words, it's not gonna hurt you, uh, to shut your mouth and not have something, you know, to say to put that person on edge. You understand what I'm saying? It's not gonna hurt you to be generous and not looking out for yourself all the time. It's not gonna hurt you to do those things. Amen? And so, I mean, truly, it, it just just whatever God puts on your heart to do, do it because he is moving you towards something. They're essential for your ownership, success, and prosperity every single time. I mean it, every single time. And don't ever shrink back from doing what God wants you to do. I don't care what it is. Is You know, it can be your time, your giving, your your personal. You know, don't get fearful. About having enough to take care of yourself. Let that stuff go. You know, by this time in your walk with God, everybody ought to be over that hurdle. You know, you know if you get stuck somewhere, you have fear, or you don't want to give, or you think you can't afford to give, you slap yourself and say, "God, help me to do this, because this is the right thing to do." You know, I've proven you so many times over and over. Here I am back trying to prove you again. What's wrong with me? You understand? Just snap yourself out of that and get yourself, don't let fear grip you again because it's always going to try to grip you. Married people don't want to do certain things for their spouse because they might think I'm just a doormat. or well, you're an idiot. You're worse than a, there's worse things than being a doormat. <laughs> You'd be an idiot on top of a door. You understand what I'm saying? Don't be an idiot. Why would you harm yourself by withholding from your spouse. Get real. You know, find out what life is really about. You should be you should be thankful you got somebody put up with your shenanigans all the time. Uh, (laughs) I would name some things, but y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Crazy. So anyway, let's, let's just be real here folks. Treat, treat your spouse like you would your own body. Care for it, love it, take care of it because you are one. Amen. Why hurt yourself? So he says here, the ground is going to be against you. So this earth is against man and his dominion. It's going to fight you to produce for you. You lose a job. You, you, you know, you go without for a season or you get laid off or you get a demotion or you get, place goes out of business, all that kind of stuff. It's against you out here, but God will bring back kingdom rule into your life and you're blessed again. Amen. The curse, if it falls, really believers are never cursed. They can have temporary interruptions in the blessing. Don't ever tell yourself you're cursed because that's not true. You start saying that and the devil will start doing it. You know, I see people say, well, we got to break generational curses. They're broken already. If you got confidence in the blood of Jesus, just renew your mind to the fact that you're saved. Renew your mind to the fact that this is true you know it's it's nonsense a lot of this stuff you know they come up with some kind of intellectual teaching and everybody grabs onto that instead of grabbing onto the word you can grab the word while you're grabbing all this and and then yeah this is you got this in your background yes so do you but i've also got god in my future You understand what I'm saying? We can all live in our past or we can live in our present and our future and go on. There's too much to know about the goodness of God for you to focus your time on what happened in your past. So let's just let that go. Amen. You know, you can reaffirm your the breaking of the curse. You know, we do that all the time. And and just remind the devil, A curse over this person's life is broken. I break your power to to remind this person that anything's wrong with them in the name of Jesus, and go on in in your present, your future. You know, people. Are, oh, when I was little, this happened and that happened. I just can't do no better. Really, who told you that? Huh? Who told you that? people don't understand forgiveness. I forgive myself? No, cuz you know you didn't because you still think it's gonna it has an effect on you. When you forgive yourself that your past has no effect on you, folks. I mean, true forgiveness, Bible forgiveness, And if you've never experienced it, you ask God to give you that experience. God, show me how forgiveness is real. People tell me I shouldn't think like this now because I'm saved. I shouldn't be living like this now because I'm saved. Help me to get there. Instead of pretending and then going on miserable. You got me? Religion. So we got to stop that and we got to get over into the real. So God wants you to live in the reality of the blessing. Amen? So he says, in the sweat of your face, you'll eat bread until you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are and dust you shall return. And so Adam and Eve then were covered temporarily until God can bring the true atonement into man's life. And the generations of man have been struggling against the curse ever since when people become millionaires and billionaires they stand out to everybody else why not because we want we jealous and we want but that's rare you realize how rare it is to subdue the earth to that degree where you can amass extra most of us are living just from paycheck to paycheck and a little savings you know what i'm saying hoping it'll last as long as we do but to to subdue the earth And overcome to that degree is a rare thing. And rarer still to hold on to it for your seed and your seed seed for many generations. But I tell you one thing that you can have, and that salvation from generation to generation to generation. Amen? So lay up your treasure in heaven. You don't have to have everything you want down here on earth. You can be comfortable. You can be blessed. You can have a good time. But keep your balance right. Make sure heaven comes first in your thoughts and in everything that you do. Make heaven your first concern. And make getting to heaven and taking as many as you can with you. Make those things your first concern. Every person desires the blessing to be fruitful. Let everything that you do prosper. Never have failure in your life. Everybody wants that. So nobody pursues failure, but we all know failure is a possibility. And so we want to keep ourselves in a place where failure Is not a part of what we do. It's not a part of what we expect. We fear failure and doubt that God will prosper us or give us what we ask. Your carnal man will do that for you. You don't even have to conjure that up. Every time you think about something, so the thought will come to you, but, see that but is the fear of failure speaking. What you do with that is don't entertain it. Consider it not. Say, God, if you put this into my life, you put this on my heart to desire, I believe you're going to bring it to pass. Now show me, show me what to do. And you get in the word and you start increasing your time relating to God. Be diligent about pursuing the things that God wants you to pursue and he will, he will give you ownership. He will give you dominion, prosperity and success. Amen. What we have to ask us ourselves, is anything too hard for God? When you're up against the fear of failure, is anything too hard for God? That's your question when that thing pops up. And see, you'll feel ashamed of yourself for thinking (laughs) you might fail because the answer of course is no your spirit man says no nothing's too hard for god nothing he promises us is too hard for him to accomplish oh but see you don't know we're not talking about you bringing it to pass can you get yourself out of the picture please all you people that like to take a selfie every day and post it on facebook and I said, if they could just get themselves out of the picture, they'd realize how great God is. <laughs> Listen, I preached to my Facebook friends. I don't know what you do, but I said, oh boy, here we go, another selfie. Get yourself out the picture. Huh? Consider not. Just consider how great your God is and the things he's going to do for you. Amen. So nothing's too hard for him if you consider only him. Don't consider your lack of experience or your little faith or it didn't happen the rest Now it hadn't happened yet. Now, I don't believe it's going to happen. Consider not yourself. Consider what he told you. It takes discipline because our minds can run at 50 miles an hour with negative things. Amen? Let it run fast with the things of God. Well, I don't know much word. Well, now, <laughs> we can fix that. Open your Bible. Sometimes we stagger in unbelief, but strong faith will will shake that off and say, nope, I'm not going to consider failure. I'm only going to consider what God has told me. Amen. What has God told me we're to do? How do we show our faith in God? Is through daily obedience to his voice and his call. Having his word to guide us and develop the principles for living. Once you develop principles for living and start to apply them consistently, it's easier for your faith to work. Faith works through principles. There are certain things you do, certain things you don't do. Thir- certain things you allow your mind to engage in and certain things you just cut off before it gets going too far. And so this, it's a discipline. Christianity really is a discipline and a way of life. It really is. It's a great part of it. We want to think it's, you know, power and, you know, all the things we imagine it to be. But you won't get much of anything from God if you don't. Start living by his principles and be consistent. Since God made man a steward of the earth, we are sure the earth will produce what we need. Once you are sure the earth will produce what you need, then God will give you the tools that you need to cause it to produce. See, in in barren countries like in in uh very hot countries like in the, where there's desert, say like on uh Africa, northern Africa, places like that, there are places in this country, there's desert all over the world, but you take places where there's continual desert. people who don't live by faith can't see that land producing anything. all they see is dry sand, nothing ever grows on its own, there's nothing to do that that can help harness what's good there and harness the land then somebody that has knowledge comes into a country like that and starts to do what we call develop it and then that's when the trouble sets in somebody who has know-how comes into a place where there is no know-how and then we get this conflict whose land is it who, well, you're taking all the, the resources out of the land. You know, what are you going to do for the people who are here and what are you going to do for this and do for that? Once things start to produce, that's when strife breaks out. You see it in the Word of God. You'll see one person, well, remember, uh, Jacob, Isaac, digging wells and people coming and taking possession of the land once the well was dug. Well, how come you didn't dig one? So Jacob and and, and uh, uh, um, uh, Abraham and Isaac would go about just making the earth produce for them wherever they went. How'd they do it? They were blessed. The blessing was on them. When the blessing's on you, you can be fruitful wherever you are. I tell people this all the time. Uh, uh An area that's dilapidated, barren, and ugly is waiting for somebody that has the blessing on them to come and make it produce. You're not going anywhere looking for a blessing. It's on you. Stay where you are. Make it produce. People who move around because they lose a job. Crazy. That faith is made to work where you start now. You're in need right now. That's when the faith will work the greatest. Is when you have a need. Why well, I'm scared. I won't have you. Not, you. You take people. They go and move. Three months later, they've moved someplace else, looking for a job. I'm unemployed for another year. Where if they'd stay where they are, they'd be working by now. You can't tell me they won't with faith in God. Are you kidding me? He'll make it produce wherever. People get ideas about things. You no, know, God blesses ideas. Sometimes God inspires people. If they pray, he'll give them even better ideas. But you see, the Industrial Revolution in this country was started by Christians. These were what you call God-fearing people. Didn't know as much word as we do. The little bit they knew, they made it work. They put a whole nation of people to work. They had so much work, they had to import people here from other countries to work. They didn't try to sneak in here and live off welfare. They were brought in to work. You got me? People didn't come to other countries to be a burden to them. They came to be a blessing, to fit in, to be a part of what was going on. Got me? And so this is how nations are built. They're built by work, and they're built by witty invention. They're built by people who have faith and confidence. Something They call it inspiration. Something inspires me to get up every day and to keep at this tinkering in my laboratory. I've failed on so many things, but there will come a time. Who Who does that if God's not with you in that process? So perseverance is part of success. Ideas, creativity, all of that is part of success. If you ask me, this nation has nothing to be ashamed of because we've used the principles of God to build a, a, a society and a culture of work I mean, if there's nothing people know to come to America for, they come here for opportunity to do what? To work and to put their gifts and their talents and their abilities into service so that they will prosper and they will pay off. Nothing happens without work, folks. Nothing. So we don't need to go outside of the earth for anything. People get so rich, now they want to live on Mars. Uh, uh-huh. what's his name, Branson? The guy who runs a he's billionaire but he's a crazy person, but he wants to take now he's taking uh people on trips to Mars. He thinks we need to inhabit Mars for a place to live. Millennials believe that this Earth will not be here because we breathe and we're destroying it as we live. So we got all kind of cockeyed ideas out here, folks, that the body of Christ, it's our job to straighten out nonsense in people, and you don't pick it up and don't let your kids pick it up, and they get around these crazy worldly people and start picking up crazy ideas. There's no such thing as global warming. God takes care of this earth. He's taken care of it forever. If the sinners are too stupid, God will raise up somebody that he can use. Don't worry. It's not going anywhere until God ends the whole thing. You got me? Everybody has an idea that they're talking about, but they're disconnected from the principles of God and from the knowledge of God's plan for this earth. You'll never get anywhere planning for the future without God making that plan for you. You can do all the thinking you want to, but you're not going to get anywhere. Whatever success happens in this life is a direct result of obedience to God and his word. Man. Sinners can work principles. They do it all the time. They can work principles and prosper. only problem is they got the curse facing them at any time. Well, let me tell you how the curse operates. Bill Cosby, nice man, married his his uh, sweetheart from college. They have five children. He started working, uh, started playing around, et cetera, et cetera. At 80 years of age, it caught up with him. It takes a while, but it'll catch up with you. You won't get away with it. In fact, it started uh what was about 15 years ago with the murder of his son. One little boy they had, they had uh um, invested lots of money tutoring and stuff. He was autistic. They invested all kinds of in to help him and, and got him to where he could take care of himself. But I think he was still challenged in his judgment, who to trust, who not to trust. Of course, your, your father's a billionaire. You're going to drive a, a nice car. And that car drew him to the attention of some people that murdered him and stole that car from him, and so from there it started the curse and the judgment stone. Boom, 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 boom. To now, Bill Cosby is facing jail times. Pretty much, money's gone. You got me? It, if it's not gone, it's all leaving real fast. Brought shame to the rest of his family. His poor wife is ashamed and. Not that she wasn't shamed before, but she hung in there, you know, trying to keep the family together, et cetera, et cetera. And so now he's facing jail time because of sins that are unrepentant. Unrepentant sin. The problem. Cause they're Catholic. They know God somewhat. Now's the time to really get to know Him. You know, forget it knowing the lawyers. Let's get to know God. And so these things will happen. We can amass a fortune through principles, good money management, being around the right people, hiring the right accountants and money managers and all that kind of stuff, making the right investments, all of that you can do. But if the blood doesn't cover your sin, if you don't have that atonement over the sins in your life, they will come to claim everything. Amen? It doesn't even have to be like that. You look at all the people now who are losing jobs, losing finances. All these are very, very wealthy and powerful people. What's happening? Well, they've been God's been watching this for a while. And the Holy Spirit's been telling them, Don't do this. This isn't right. You're a blessed man. You've got a family. You've got this, you've got that. Enjoy your life. Can't do it. The most of them can't keep from sinning. Cause they don't have the power not to sin. So their, their wealth is laid up for the righteous anyway. You know what I'm saying? It's just, they're never gonna, never gonna have it. Because there's failure lurking. I don't care how much ownership you have. If you don't have success and prosperity with it, it will not last. You won't be able to pass it on to the next generation. Man, it'll be even a curse to them. It'd be a challenge for them to hold on to what you've laid up for them. So, uh, all of these things, you know, whatever success happens in this life, is a direct result of obe- obedience to God's word, to His principles. It works even better if you are saved. If you can repent of your sins and get forgiveness, your blessings last longer. What we owe to God is good and faithful stewardship over what he has given us, over the earth and all of its resources. We have to do this dominion under God's authority, not some new age notion of what's right and wrong. Hug a tree, abort a baby. That's what the world's wisdom tells you to do. Got me? So we gotta get back to what God considers to be. Now everybody's upset because the uh, reproductive rate in this country has fallen below replacement value. Which means that we're not even replacing the people who die. You got me? So now everybody's panicked. Oh, what do we do? Hmm? Christians have been telling you for decades now, ever since Roe vs. Wade was inactive. So you've been, you've known the answer all along. They still ask what to do. Know the answer, but still ask. It's called blindness. So what does it mean to be a steward, man? A steward really is an overseer. A steward realizes he does not own anything. Naked you came into this world. Naked you will go out. You don't own anything. So you're a steward. Now when we talk about ownership, we mean ownership as far as a temporal realm is concerned. You can get ownership of things in this life. And as far as this world is concerned. So for instance, if we're talking about property. God will give you ownership of property, and you can pass that on to whomever you want to pass it on to. you could have stuff for generations. So that's what we're talking about, getting ownership as far as the temporal realm is concerned. But you know you don't really own anything to take it with you. It also means a treasurer. So when God gives you stewardship, you're in charge of managing the finances over certain things. It also means to be a governor or responsible person. You need to understand that responsibility also implies accountability. So you can't be in charge of anything without being accountable for it. For instance, if you, uh, have a, uh, fire in your home, the city will make you get it fixed up. They're not gonna let you leave a damaged property there. They'll cite you with violations. They'll come in and say, well, what's wrong? Well, I had a fire. Poor me. Poor you. You better get it fixed up. Huh? Then they start slapping you with fines and violations. You know, your uh, plumbing's not working, your election, or they'll condemn it. And then the the bank will say, well, you still owe money on it. You got to pay for it. So you can't escape accountability. You got me? We all got to be accountable. I mean, we all like to own the biggest house on the block and take pride in what we have, but it comes with responsibility. So you all know that. Some people have a renter's mentality and God's trying to give us ownership. Renters don't want to be responsible. I know I've had investment property before. Yeah, I've had renters. Now, when are you going to do this? When are you going to do that? When you go? <laughs> they want you to do everything. But they just come in and live there. Hmm? Until they understand how to be responsible. They won't own much, got me. They may want to, but they're not going to. You want to all you want to, but you have to prove responsibility as a steward before God will give you ownership. amen He says, uh, he wants people to be faithful amen that's that's one of the assets that will cause you to increase in God is faithfulness. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? That means that you are one who will build up and support. A faithful person will build up and support that which they're a part of. When you're faithful, that means that you've taken responsibility for something Or you've taken stewardship and then you, in, in, in that stewardship, you decide to build up and support it. You don't steal from your employer. You don't take things because they're not nailed down. You support and you build up. It also means to parent, P-A-R-E-N-T, or to nurse. So when you're faithful, you are like a parent or a nurse for that thing that you're looking out for. When we, now our method, the way we do our ministry is we rent property. You know, we own vehicles because we've got to move. We've got to be on the road, go from one place to the next. But we rent property. Why is that? Church property is very hard to borrow money to, to invest in and it's hard to sell if you outgrow it. It just makes good sense now. Most of the buildings you see people have had them for a couple of hundred years. You know, some of those denominational churches, those buildings were paid for when they were $10,000 buildings. So they've been paid off for decades. Some of them centuries. And so it's like free property to them. They just find people to go in and start a fellowship and you're on your way. But if you're starting a new work in God, you have to be a wise person. You have to do things according to what what you know to do. Now, many people will look at what we've done, say in this building, every building we've gone in, we've redone them to make them functional for what we have to do. So you got to invest money in somebody else's property. Now people say, well, we're going to get our own building. That's when we're going to put, you'll never get it. That's when we're going to start putting money in things. When we get our own. This is yours now. And God is looking at what you do with it now to determine if you get to the next place or not. You're not going to be an irresponsible child of God and call yourself holy. That's out. Holy people do the right thing. well that's just a waste of money you put all that money in that building you had to go off and leave it yeah we did but god's the ones paying for it you got me and as long as you got faith in what you're doing you keep doing it people said the same thing to oral roberts about the city of faith why did you ever start that hospital huh Because they wound up having to sell everything off after a season. Well, ask God why. If that man, as many Christians gave into it and said they knew it was God, why would you give? Why did it give anything? Well, that's your problem. See, people who who don't give don't have faith in what's going on. You ask the people that went there and didn't have to go to the butcher hospital down the street. You have people who went there and and the doctors prayed over them before they went into surgery. Or everybody on the staff were praying people. They never had wrong amputations. They didn't have a bunch of lawsuits like you see most hospitals have. So yeah, that's why. And why did he lose it? The devil fought him for it. Are you kidding me? You ever see the devil not fight people for something that was a benefit to humanity? And the body of Christ fought him. You got all them mouths working against you. You got a heap of trouble on your hands, brother. You try it. Try to jump out there and be the only healing minister forever and people persecute you, death threats, the newspapers lie on you, everybody's like, you try it sometimes. See how easy it is to be successful. Amen. And don't criticize another man's servant. He has to answer to God for what he does and you do too. If God told you to contribute to it, you better contribute because God wants things to prosper. He has his rules. He has his ways. He has his ideas for everything. Amen. For everything that he does. There are times when when people aren't received in places and God says, well, your season here is over. Pack it up. The people don't want it. Let's move on to somebody who does. You're not giving up, you're moving on. (laughs) You just located your head, relocated your headquarters. Huh? Just, you know, just keep living folks. You understand what I'm saying? Just keep going, keep living, keep doing. If God says go set up someplace else, that's what you do. You go set up someplace else. Fighting the serpent everywhere. Need a rest sometimes so praise God so a steward then is a responsible person and hopefully a faithful person faithful stewards are people that God can depend on to be their serving forever you got me they never quit serving so it means to parent or to nurse Numbers 12:7 we see Moses was faithful over God's people that's how he got promoted he was faithful where did he start going in front of pharaoh on behalf of God to pull the people out of there and once God saw he was faithful doing that he had him lead those people out and be the first minister over his people amen over the nation of israel Faithfulness means to be permanent. You're not looking for something else to do. Man. It means to be firm. It means to establish. Faithful also means turn to the right. The right hand was always thought to be the hand of truth strength, and power. When it says Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, that is the position of strength, truth, and power. Left hand is thought to be sinister, devious, got me, and undesirable. So to go to the left means to go to the way of sin, the wrong way. The, the, uh, uh, the Latin word for left is sinister. It means sinister or dark. Amen? The, the Latin word for right is dexter. The word dexterous comes from that. Amen? To, that means to be uh, skillful and handy. So the right hand was always thought to be skillful and handy, left hand thought to be sinister. And you'll see curses on left-handed people throughout history. They sometimes were banished from the different societies and tribes that they lived in. Okay? Except for Christian nations, you know, we don't do that, but it was thought to be something undesirable. Pickpockets were Left-handed or ambidextrous it means they can work equally with both hands. So, amen. So, you yeah, know, there's, there's something to it. Amen. So it means to be on the right, to turn to the right. Uh, faithfulness also means to continue very long, a very long continuance. Means to establish things in a firm way and to leave nothing out. Faithful people do not cut corners in their assignment in God. Looking for the easy way out. Always tell you, if you want to be faithful, do what God commands first. I've learned. I've learned to obey that thing in my heart that says get up and do it now and don't put it off. See, if you confuse that with what you did to your parents when they told you get up and sweep the floor, you'll you'll get beaten with many stripes. You got me? Oh, honey, God will teach you not to put His stuff Because if you put it off long enough, he won't even try to help you do it. The grace won't be there to get it accomplished. Because he's trying to teach you <laughs> truth. Huh? He's not trying to beat you up and oh, God I don't care what I have to do. Well not nah, really. Not any more than you do. You gotta care about what he wants done first. And then let him help you. Consider yourself taken care of once you do what God wants you to do. But you've got to do that and put it in the right order. So it's a good thing to understand what true faithfulness is, folks. It's not I service, but it's doing the things God wants you to do. That's the highest accolade you can get from the Father, is that he is rewarding you and you're a faithful servant. When you're not sure, ask him to help you to be faithful. God, what can I do? To increase my faithfulness to you, to my church, to my responsibilities with my family, to all of that stuff, Lord. What can I do to ensure faithfulness? Because if I had nothing else, I want to go down in history as a faithful. So you know what I'm saying? You want that said about you. Amen? That you were faithful. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for allowing us opportunity to hear your word, to know your word, to increase in you, Father. Thank you, Lord. These truths are time-honored. We can never get beyond the truth of your word, Father. We thank you for that. We bless you and we praise you. We thank you for accomplishing all of the things that we desire to have accomplished in our lives, the lives of our loved ones. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And praise God. Amen. We are done. Amen. So if anybody needs prayer, come on up. I'll pray for you. Praise the Lord.